Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Ephesians. Today is episode 627. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 14. Let's read our passage. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore do not become their partners. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, Get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul's writing this letter from Rome. He's imprisoned there. We see this at the very end of the book of Acts. And during this two-year imprisonment, one of the things he's doing is writing some letters. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus to encourage them. He talked about what an incredible thing it is that the gospel has been made known to Gentiles, that is, people who aren't Jews, that they can be reconciled with God too. And in light of that, he's given some instructions then on how to live. Last time we saw he gave the instructions basically imitate God and imitate Christ. And in imitating Christ, it was with reference to loving one another, love other believers the way Christ loves them. So he's continuing that theme now is this is how to live in light of the salvation you've experienced through reconciliation with God. Verse 3, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. As the immediately following, be an imitator of God and an imitator of Christ. So this is what that looks like now. So he say there shouldn't be a hint of immorality amongst you. So he says, as is proper for saints. Now, every time we see this, we have to define it because we sometimes get confused based on how we were raised. But the word gets translated saints. Really, it's an adjective, which means holy or just alone. Then it would be the holy ones. Never see saint singular in the New Testament. It's always plural because it's just referring to believers. Those who have been made holy through the blood of Christ, those who have been declared holy by God, they are the saints. And his old thrust here is, if you're really a child of God, act like a child of God. If you're really walking with Christ, then, then really walk with Christ. And so here, it's not just, well, don't be immoral, don't be impure, don't be sexually immoral. He said, there shouldn't be a hint of that among you. That sort of thing shouldn't even be heard of amongst you. Then it goes on in verse 4. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. And this is pretty obvious. It's, okay, act properly. You shouldn't be joking around at things and 
participating in crude jokes and in crude talking. Speak what uplifts and speak what is good and wholesome and righteous. And he contrasts that with, but rather giving thanks. If you wouldn't talk to God that way, then don't talk to other people that way. So give thanks to God. Verse 5. For know and recognize this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. All right, what's he saying here? What he's saying is idolaters do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. So idolaters cannot be followers of Christ. What's an idolater? Somebody who pursues idolatry. Somebody who pursues idols. And before you say, well, good, that doesn't apply to me, be careful. When we think of idols, too often we think of a little figurine that somebody would bring home and pray to and build a little shrine around. Yeah, that's idolatry we see in the Old Testament and such. But idolatry at its core is showing a devotion to anything or anybody that rightly belongs to God or putting anything or anybody ahead of God. And so it comes down to, do I desire this more than I desire God? Do I desire to follow this lust more than I desire to follow God? That's idolatry. We all do it. So don't think you're not an idolater, but be careful lest you fall into it deeper. So he's saying that if, if I succumb to some temptation, I, I have no inheritance. No, it's a, it's a way of life. And the, the point here is, what are these things he's mentioning here? Uh, sexual immorality, impure, greedy. That's referring to desires, the desires of the heart. And so the person who's desiring those things is not desiring God. And that makes them an idolater. And so idolaters do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, do not have an inheritance in God. So it's what your heart is pursuing. If you're struggling with temptation, well, the, the way to fix that is desire God more. Well, how do I desire God more? Well, hang out with God more. Study God more. Participate with God's people more. That's what renews your passion for God. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Well, empty arguments. Don't be led astray. Don't be led astray by things that sound good or sound attractive. Often there's some very subtle but very dangerous heresies that people fall into because they sound really good. God wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy. And that sounds very good. Well, trouble is, it's not biblical. And so be careful you don't fall into those things. So don't fall for empty arguments. And this warning there, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. So don't fall for empty arguments. Verse 7, therefore do not become their partners. Well, partners would be participating with those things. So here an empty argument, going along with it would be becoming a partner. Verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This sounds a lot like John with his contrast between light and darkness. 
You were in the darkness. Now you're in the light. Jesus came to bring light to a dark world. So you're now the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. So if you really aren't in the darkness anymore, but in the light, well, act like it. Live like it. Let your life show that light. He backs that up in verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. Sort of thing is, if you're really walking in the light, then these are the things that should be showing through your life. It shouldn't be the things he mentioned up in verses 3 and 4. Instead, it should be goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if you're really a child of the light, then there should be this fruit of the light should be evident in your life. And continues in verse 10, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, this word that gets translated as testing could be translated in a variety of ways. Proving, some even translated as learning. So it could be taken to be learning what pleases the Lord, or it could be proving what pleases the Lord, or testing, showing that these things work. I think it's all that together, basically. What it is, is learning for yourself and showing to others that walking in the light and living out with this fruit of the light in your life, hey, that's pleasing to the Lord. And it really works. Show that it's true. Verse 11, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. It's shameful to even mention what is done by them in secret. So the fruitless works of darkness, he, he doesn't define them. I don't think he needs to. We, we get the sense of it because darkness is where you once were. That is living in sin, separated from God. And so the, the contrast is darkness and light. So the fruitless works of dark are contrasted to the fruit of the light. Well, fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so the fruitless works of darkness, that would be the, the things mentioned above. Living in sin, basically. And don't participate in them, but instead expose them. Well, what does he mean there, expose them? Well, first, don't participate. That's easy enough to understand. I think we all get that. And, and participating in sinful actions would be simply you know, laughing at an inappropriate joke. That's participating in it. Or participating in unethical business practices. Your boss says, well, this is the way we do it. You might have to lose your job and say, I'm not going to do that. So don't participate. Uh, covering illegal actions by friends or your employer that's participating in sinful actions. But what about this part where he says, instead, expose them? Well, I don't give a blanket approach to this because it's very scenario dependent. Point is, don't just cover up. Sometimes just refusing to participate exposes things. But sometimes you have to take it a little further. Uh, an example would be, say a friend is having some kind of extramarital affair and suspects that the spouse suspects something and asks you to lie to the spouse in order to provide a cover story. Well, first, don't participate. So don't tell the lie to cover it up. And don't just not do it, but flatly refuse and explain why you won't do it. I will not do this because it's participating in sin. 
I will not do it. Then what about expose it? I immediately call the spouse. No, maybe, maybe not. It depends on the circumstances. Maybe a better route would be to demand repentance on the part of this person with a big oh, what if, if they don't. And it may be you help work them through this, how to go about restoring things and reconciling and repentance. And maybe you, you give a little time and, and some steps to go through. It, it may be you need help with this with a, a counselor or somebody. But the point here is by exposing it means to turn it around and bring it out. It, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to rat them out and put it on the Internet. What it means is you're not just going to say no. You're going to take it beyond that and force it into the open one way or another. And maybe you say, no, you must repent. You must repent in this way or I will help you or let's talk about how you can fix this. So you need to get with a, a marriage counselor and, and these steps to bring about reconciliation and confession to your spouse. And, and so there, there's no blanket answer to this, but that's where it's not just don't participate, but expose acts of darkness. Does that mean we run around the world pointing out all the bad things that people do? No, no. But it could mean you're forced to be a whistleblower where you work if they're engaging in illegal or unethical activities. It just depends. So there's no blanket answer to that. But first, don't participate. And secondly, expose things. Bring them into the light in an appropriate God-honoring way. Verse 13, everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. This goes along with the Gospel of John. When John was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, most people recognize John 3.16, for God loved the world in this way. He gave us one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus continues, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown be accomplished by God. This contrast between light and darkness. Darkness is living in sin. Darkness is separated from God. Light comes through Jesus Christ. And those who are following Christ run to the light, stay in the light, and celebrate the light. Those who are in the darkness avoid the light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, and part of our mission is to bring his light into the dark world around us. Finishes in verse 14. It says, Therefore it is said, Get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, he's kind of loosely quoting from Isaiah 60, verse 1. He's modified it some. Isaiah 61 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So he's modified that a little bit. The command is to get up, arise, celebrate the light, and see the light shining, which comes from God. 
So he's just been talking more ethical living here. If you're a child of God, act like it. If you're really a child of the light, then live in the light. Show the light. Let the fruit of the light shine through you. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Ephesians 